Hello, everyone, and welcome to Treks in Sci-Fi for the new year, 2013. This is Rico, your host, and Happy New Year to all. It is January the 6th already, 2013. This is going to be a podcast. Did I? Yeah, 2013. <laughs> I almost thought I said 2018. Anyway, sorry. Uh, today's podcast, or will be podcast 418, started us off with a little uh, music from uh, the Star Trek 2009 film, getting us in the mood for the year of Star Trek Into Darkness coming this May. Uh, music by Michael Giacani, Giacano, I think that's how you say his name. It'll be uh, his music again in the movie. But anyway, on today's show, got a lot to cover. I haven't done a regular podcast in about a month. Uh, two weeks ago, I did a video show. And uh, we've got a lot of uh, topics to talk about. Uh, the main topic is going to be a look at the Enterprise episode from Season 4 called Babel 1. That'll be the main uh, topic, and I'm going to commentary on that as I watch the episode and uh, play it for you. going to talk about some uh, Trek movie news, other uh, things going on in the world of geekdom that have been happening in the last few weeks. I'll give you a little more impressions of The Hobbit that I saw uh, also have some collectibles and some Christmas gifts to discuss. Just lots of fun things here on the show this week. Also uh, going to try to intersperse some music from uh, the original series uh, 15 CD set that I got for the holidays. So sit back, relax, and let's do this. everyone i am back uh this is rico once more and uh let's start off with a little uh just kind of uh, the new year with a little uh details and business and who knows perhaps with a new year maybe there are some people listening to treks and sci-fi for the very first time i know i recently got a uh, email from someone with an audio clip that i'm going to play here shortly who recently discovered the podcast so there's still people out there uh tuning in for the first time each week. So uh, this is a show about uh, Star Trek and science fiction, Star Wars, other geek uh, TV and movies, comics and collectibles, pretty much everything in the geek world. It was started originally kind of focused on Star Trek, but we mix uh, in all kinds of fantasy and other sci-fi as well each week. Uh, I am Rico, your host. I've been doing this show for a long time, <laughs> a, a very long time, but I, I enjoy it still every time I do it. Uh, in about the last year, we've gone to a format where I do a podcast every other week, and in between those, I do one every two weeks, and in between those, guests can do their own show. Typically, it's been people from the Treks and Sci-Fi Forum, which you can find over at treksandsci-fi.com. 
or uh, you know anyone else is always welcome. Uh, shoot me an email if you got an idea for a, a, a subject to cover, a, a, a movie, a book, a book series, a TV series, uh, an episode of Trek maybe that I haven't covered, uh, anything you'd like uh, to do, I'm pretty open. I, we've had gaming podcasts, we've had podcasts uh, related to uh, obscure series uh, like Brimstone that a friend of the show Meds did last year, which was really cool. Just all kinds of stuff uh, that people cover, and I, I always like the mix of, of different subjects. I, I've been a fan of sci-fi and fantasy most of my life, and uh, Star Trek is always kind of the nearest and, and, and dearest to my heart, but I, I enjoy a lot of other things as well. So so that's what this is all about, and, and I, you know, if people have uh, been listening and, uh, to a long time to this podcast, that might have been kind of, I don't know, um, a retread and boring maybe. Oh, also, I, I wanted to say before we get too much going into the show, uh, I think I even mentioned this two weeks ago on the video cast a little bit. Although I'm I'm pretty much better now, but I I, I had a little bit of a cold over the uh, holiday period, and it's it's about ninety five percent gone. But if my voice sounds a little different or a little more nasally this week, uh, that is why. I feel pretty good though. Got my tea here and uh, doing okay. So, uh, and anytime you'd like to get a, in touch with me, just uh, email treksf at gmail.com. We have two main uh, community groups. One is the forum, which just go to the main website. Uh, you can find that either treksinsci-fi.com. You can also use the shorthand URL that I actually started the show with in the, in the website, treksf.com, and that'll redirect you to treksinsci-fi.com. There is a forum there. If you want to sign up for that, just shoot me an email with the username that you'd like. Also, there's also a Facebook uh, community going. Uh, just uh, search for Treks and Sci-Fi dot or Treks and Sci-Fi on there, and you will find it. There's a group uh, that I formed a few months back, and it's going pretty good. And uh, we have posts in both places. Some people are on the forum and on the Facebook group. Uh, I'd love it if you're in both. Uh, if you want to just, if you're more of just a Facebook user, that's fine. Or if you prefer the forum, that's fine as well. Whatever, uh, any way you'd like to uh, stay in touch with the show and the people that um, uh, that enjoy it, and we we talk about a lot of different things. So, okay, I spent about a couple minutes on that and get that out of the way. I think uh, I think I'm going to play this clip from a new a listener first here, and then we're going to get into some Star Trek news, a few other things, and then we'll get into the Enterprise episode. But I got an audio clip from someone who has uh, started to listen to the podcast. He's going back through old episodes, and uh, he responded to a uh, a call out from way back in uh, podcast number 26, I think it was about a contest, about favorite Trek episodes, but uh, he knows the contest is well over, but uh, he, he did have some interesting episode picks and movie picks that he likes as his favorite, I thought, a, a little di- different than, than the ones you normally hear, I thought. And anyway, it's a good, uh, a, a good audio clip, and, and this is from Daryl, so I'm going to play it for you right now. Hello, Rico. Uh, this is Father Beast, and uh, I've uh, started listening to Treks in Sci-Fi with... Uh, episode 399, but I'm also going back and listening to your back catalog. Back in episode 28, you had a a contest where you would uh, you asked people to call in with their favorite uh, Star Trek episode. Now uh, I know I'm too late to win anything, but I wanted to participate in that also. My favorite episode of uh, the original series is the Doomsday Machine. Always has been. My favorite episode of the animated series is probably Time Trap. 
That's the one where the uh, they got stuck in a like this Bermuda Triangle of uh, starships and had to combine with a Klingon ship to get out. My favorite of the uh, the original series movies is uh, Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. The uh, stealing the Enterprise scene is always uh, great, and the uh, part where they blow up the Enterprise just wrenches my heart every time. Favorite uh, uh, Next Generation episode is Yesterday's Enterprise. My favorite of the TNG movies is, believe it or not, Generations. That's uh, Data steals the show with his emotion chip, and uh, crashing uh, crashing the saucer section was actually f- really, really impressive. My favorite episode of Deep Space Nine? Oh, wow. Both uh, In the Pale Moonlight and Time's Children made a uh, strong showing, but the crown has to go to The Quickening which uh, never fails to get my emotions moving. Just thinking about it makes me want to cry. My favorite episode of Voyager is one called Before and After. That's the one where Kess uh, starts, uh, where she's dying at the end of her life and lives her life in segments, little segments backwards. My uh, favorite episode of Enterprise is the two-parter In a Mirror Darkly. Uh, Now, most of uh, season four was like geek heaven for Star Trek nerds. But uh, in this episode, when I saw that they were going into Tholian space to get a Constitution-class starship from the original series, I think my head exploded. And finally, uh, my favorite of the fan productions is uh, Star Trek New Voyages, back before it was called Phase 2. The episode World Enough in Time, that's the one that guest stars George Takai. Anyway, I'll be keep listening and hope you appreciate these. I don't know if you've... uh, You've done uh, episodes on all of these. I know you've done episodes on some of them. But uh, hopefully you'll get around to all of them. Bye. Well, thank you very much, Daryl, for that uh, really cool uh, clip of uh, what your favorite uh, episodes are from the various Trek series, even the animated series, The Time Trap, which uh, I I always liked that episode, too. I thought that was between that one and the... uh, uh, the one where they go back in time on Vulcan, Spock does, uh, why am I, yesteryear, yeah, that one's a good one too, but there's some good episodes on the animated series, I gotta get back to do a, a review of a couple of those, I did some of, uh, covered some of those way back when on the podcast, and I'd like to do some more, uh, and, uh, you got some interesting other picks too for the movies, you know, uh, the search for Spock, uh, that, uh, that's always been a real, uh, kind of a closet favorite of mine too, from the original group um just there's something you know about the way the 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 main group and cast works together in that episode or that uh movie sorry that just really is is nice and i i I like it a lot and generations too you know kirk and picard meeting up i think it's just i think it's one of the more underrated films in the in the film series as a whole i i think it's a it's a really really interesting and good movie and i think it was a good segue from the tv show to the movie screen for the next generation cast so thanks a lot and i hope you keep listening to uh, treks and sci-fi i'm going to take a, a just a short break here and then i'll come back talk about some news and and then we'll get into the enterprise episode have you ever experienced uncontrollable bouts of geekdom if so the anomaly podcast may be right for you 
In clinical studies, anomalies interviews, convention reports, commentary on geek culture, games, sci-fi and fantasy television, literature, and film provided a feeling of fullness while promoting health for optimal geekiness. The Anomaly podcast is not suitable for all people. Only geekily active cool chicks with a healthy sense of humor should listen. Geekily active cool guys should listen too. Anomaly has resulted in sudden fits of squee. Broad smiles may appear without warning and could become permanent. The most common side effects of Anomaly are unconsciously joining in the Gamma Quadrant golf clap, out loud, at work, to the amusement of co-workers, and attempting to interject opinions aloud to hosts who can't hear the listener. But in all cases, the benefits outweigh the risks. Ask your anomaly if you're healthy enough for entertainment of this caliber. You don't need a doctor's messy handwriting to obtain a free subscription. Anomaly is available over-the-counter at Stitcher Radio and in the iTunes, Zune, and BlackBerry stores. You can also stream episodes of Anomaly and Anomaly Supplemental at anomalypodcast.com. That's A-N-O-M-A-L-Y podcast.com. Just one one-hour episode provides 24 hours of relief and never leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Music by JewelBeat.com All right, so much to talk about, so much news and information. And I, I was trying to recall before I started the podcast today about how much I mentioned or had talked about the seeing the Hobbit movie. I think I did some uh, already, uh, and basically, I, I I thought the movie was okay. I thought that they they added a little too much new material in there and changed the story just a little too much for my for my taste. But it was okay. I mean, I, I there seems to be a kind of a reaction to the movie right now where there are people that are really like, you know, oh, it's great. Anything that they put up on there on the screen, it's just more, more, more is always good. And I, I'm not always, I don't always agree with that necessarily, but everyone's entitled to their informed opinion of what, you know, if they've seen it, what they think of it. And I still enjoyed it. I'll still see uh, the next two parts in the next, you know, uh, next year, about a year away, we get part two. And I think it's the following summer after that, that if I remember right, that we get the, um, the last part. I don't think we wait a whole other year for the last uh, part of The Hobbit. Um, but uh, but that's as far as the movies out of the theater. There wasn't a lot of sci-fi or fantasy type stuff. I did see that Jack Reacher movie, which uh, which I thought was okay with Tom Cruise. It an action kind of you know slightly a detective uh, story, but you know a solid movie. Uh, probably to me something I could have waited for to see on Netflix or, or home video. But I I, enjoy, I I always enjoy going out to the movies anyway. And and Tom Cruise he's got that sci-fi movie called Oblivion. If you're not familiar with it, there, it hasn't really been getting a lot of press uh, yet, even though it comes out only in, I think, April. Uh, it is uh, set in the future. Morgan Freeman's also in it. There's trailers up, uh, but Tom Cruise has got that coming uh, in, in just a few months, so uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, there's that Will Smith movie, also another cool sci-fi movie they've had some trailers out for, After Earth, coming. Uh, but I want to shift over now to talk about Star Trek because there's been a lot of um, news and talk in the last few weeks. It seems like uh, ever since those trailers came out, and excuse me, I had to get a little tea, ever since we got that kind of teaser trailer and then we got more of a longer version of that, and then, of course, the nine-minute IMAX preview, which I thought was just very cool, 
and really, really gets me excited for the movie. If, if you haven't seen The Hobbit and you're trying to debate about what theater to go see it in, I, if you can do IMAX and if you're a Trek fan and you want to see that nine minutes, I, I, I highly recommend it. I think it's well worth uh, going to a special theater, paying a little more money, just because it, it gives you really a good feel for maybe what this movie is going to be like. And I think we're, we're all going to really be impressed. I, I, I just... I know I'm a fanboy with Trek. I mean, there's no denying that. But there's just... J.J. Abrams, I think, really knows how to do it. And I think he showed this in the 2009 film. He knows how to do an entertaining movie for a wide audience, but also for Trek fans, too. And it's a, it's a really tough thing and a fine line to kind of walk to be able to do that. And, and I'm, I've just was very impressed with how he did it in, in 09. And I think we're going to be even more impressed this time too. Uh, if anything, I think he's he figures out what has worked, what doesn't work, perhaps. And I th- and I think the um, I don't think we're going to get that situation where oh the sequel won't nearly be as as good as I think as the as the first. I think we're going to be in sort of the Empire Strikes Back mode here, where we're going to get a really rich and, and interesting and deep and actiony and and just just all the things we want to see in character stuff. In, in the second movie, uh, maybe even a way that got glossed over a little bit in the first because there was so much introduction of things and introduction of characters. Even though we know the characters, uh, you know, they had to bring them all together, and now you've got got them all together in this movie, and it, I think it's just going to be great. So uh, a few things. There was this story going on on the Internet, or, or not really a, uh, you know, a, a story on Trek movie that I found that I found was really touching. There was a fan, or is, is, a, is a guy that, uh, unfortunately, it, it has, a, has a very bad d- disease and is probably not going to make it till the premiere. He probably won't be around for the premiere in May. And I guess this, uh, there was a, a friend of his that posted something on Reddit about this. And, and basically, he's a huge Star Trek fan and, and was really wanting to see the movie, even though he thought he might not make it until May. And I, I guess Paramount and J.J. Abrams and the people there all heard about this story finally, and they were able to, to arrange a screening. And, and I, I just just found this a really, you know, heartwarming kind of, even though it's a, sort of a bad situation, but a good thing, too, comes out of it. And, and it just, you know, granted, this is good press for them to a degree, but I don't really think they look at it that way. I mean, they're not making a big deal out of it, even though, you know, this has been picked up by a lot of, uh, of, of websites and news places and, you know, mine too. But it, it's just, they don't have to do this, you know, and if they're worried about secrecy, J.J. Abrams has obviously been trying very hard to keep a lot of things under wraps for this film. And for them to do this, and there was a post from the wife of this man that said that they they did have a screening and that they were very thrilled, even though they didn't see a, a finished version of the movie, they loved it, and and just were were just so happy that they went out of their way to do this for for this guy. So uh, you know, hats off to you guys, to JJ and Paramount and Bad Robot and and the whole production company for you know, making a fan's dream, you know, somebody that that might not make it till May, and maybe he will, who knows, and, uh, you know, our, our hearts go out to him and his family, and uh, just, just a cool story, and I just wanted to pass that on. As far as other movie things, there's all kinds of, you know, conjecture, and we've been having some fun with it on the forum, 
about what this movie is going to really involve, what Benedict Cumberbatch's character is going to be, this John Harrison guy. Uh, you know, it's it's becoming more and more clear and being pretty much uh, admitted that he isn't a normal human. He has, uh, you know, abilities, you know, far beyond those of mortal men, you know. He pulls off his shirt and, you know, a big S is on there. <laughs> but... Uh, but anyway, uh, I, I still feel that he's going to be some kind of an augment character, whether it's really con in a way or not, or just sort of a, a, a slightly off, you know, different version of that kind of a story. Whether they find him out there in space on the Botany Bay or something like that, I don't know. There are little touches in the trailers that make you think that. Uh, there's, there's a quick little scene where it looks like a bunch of, you know, almost uh, people in frozen capsules, kind of like they find somewhat in the original Space Seed episode from TOS. Uh, so there's a lot of interviews with, with the cast, and they're being very coy and, and, and mum about certain things. So it's, uh, it's a fun time. I, I think... Uh, my prediction right now is we'll probably get another full-blown trailer of some type which with maybe some more stuff in it and actually some dialogue and some act interaction with the main characters maybe around Super Bowl time uh, they seem to be a, a, a you know that seems to be a time where they put a lot of movie trailers out and Trek being a big movie for the summer I was happy to see there was some list I found. New Year's is always a time when people put lists out, either the best of the previous year or what they're looking forward to in the next year. And and I saw a pretty, um, you know, high-end critic or person. I don't know if it was somebody who worked for Entertainment Weekly or who it was, but they had a movie list out. <clears throat> oh, sorry, got, uh, got interrupted there for a second. But anyway, there's this movie list. And one of, uh, I don't know, it was like the top movies people were looking, this guy was looking forward to for the next year. And, and the Star Trek uh, Into Darkness movie was on that list, which I was happy to see. You know, I never really thought we'd see a day where a Star Trek movie, uh, you know, hit kind of the mainstream and, and critics and, and, and people enjoyed it. And, you know, there's fans out there that, that are don't really like this way things are going and this approach and feel that Trek is getting kind of, watered down or washed out or whatever you want to look at it and it's becoming mainstream you know i've kind of felt that myself a little bit you know you know back way way back when i used to uh you know be the guy that was you know the geeky guy that no one you know that 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 we only had like the original series reruns way back in those days before even the aldi i think once you got all the other trek series i think it became more mainstream as time went on anyway and this is just making it even a little bit more so but they are not changing, you know, to me, the essence of Trek, at least so far that I can see. And, you know, you know, to just have these these great adventures out in space and, and, and the characters and the way they act with each other. And, and just I, so I, I, I think that's it's all good, in my opinion. And, and if we wanted to keep Trek going, I've said similar things before. I think I definitely said stuff like this back when the movie uh, came out in 09. If you wanted to have Trek become successful or to continue, this had to kind of happen. I mean, it was kind of dwindling away. Enterprise got canceled after only four seasons. I started this podcast. So so this is a necessary, uh, I don't want to say necessary evil, but this is just sort of a necessary progression to, uh, to me of the franchise. And I think Star Wars is actually going to kind of be going through a similar thing, even though Star Wars is pretty much always been kind of mainstream. There's sort of two Star Wars people out there are fans and there's sort of just the mainstream people that watch the movies and enjoy them and then there are the ones that are really into it read the books play the games 
you know, know all the little minutia of, of, of the movies and, and the backstory and everything like that. Uh, so, you know, Trek, I think, is, is, is sort of become that now, too, where, you know, there are people who can recite, you know, James Kirk's serial number. And then there are those just go out to see the movies and enjoy them. So I, I it's uh, I think it's it's fine to just have both. And, you know, Star Wars, I'm very excited. We're going to get more movies. We've got two, uh, you know, the two movies coming out in 3D, the um, Attack of the Clones and, and, and Revenge of the Sith coming out later this year and then more movies of course coming and george lucas allowed that to happen oh congrats george is getting married uh getting married he is yes mm. uh <laughs> i guess george lucas is is tying the knot sometime this year uh, to his longtime girlfriend uh melody i think is her name I, I i can't remember her last name but there was a story that broke a couple days ago about that uh, but it's all it's all good so uh, you know i'm excited and uh, without getting off into too many tangents here, let's let's quickly quick. <laughs> I was going to say let's click a few stories or, or quickly look through a few other stories. Uh, the uh, UK magazine Empire. You can find this uh, a lot of these stories over on TrekMovie.com. Also, I put some of these up on TreksAndSciFi.com as well. But Empire Magazine just recently did a, a big story on the Star Trek Into Darkness. There's some cool pictures in high res up. You can find them on IMDb, ComingSoon.net, I think, as it links. They're all over the place. There's about eight or so pictures. I've used some of them for the Trek Daily Pick, even. Um, a couple other things going on in the, in the world of uh, Star Trek and the movie. Uh, there's... Uh, uh, other comics that are coming out that they're sort of trying to, I think, eventually now tying into uh, what's going to be coming in the film a little bit at a time. So that'll be interesting to see how that works out. Uh, other Star Trek-related news, uh, the guys that do this fan series, uh, Starship Farragut, uh, put out a new uh, fan film. It came out like around Christmas or just the day after. It's called The Price of Anything. If you search for Farragut, uh, or just go to starshipfarragut.com. Uh, you can find this, and, and they have very high production values. It's very much like the Star Trek uh, Phase Two guys, and uh, do a good job. You know, the, the acting and the story is, to me, kind of a little on the weak side. This story was kind of so-so, I thought, but I still enjoy watching. I'll, I'll watch any anything pretty much set in the original series universe. I mean, I'd I'd watch. You know, if, if these guys were able to put out some kind of fan film production and put out episodes every week i'd watch them i mean i i just i just find it just just cool and amazing that they can do a, a, a fan film these days that looks just about as good and pretty much actually in a way some ways better than the original series did uh, with with pretty much just donations and fan support to put this stuff together in the in the production of it so just think if we could get an original series era you know, regular TV show back on the air or something like that. I think that'd be pretty cool, but you know, who knows? We'll we'll get another Star Trek series someday. Who knows how it'll be set? Yeah, I I I starting to think more and more that if we get a very successful second movie from the J.J. Abrams group, that it would be. I'd be kind of surprised if they ended up not doing a series set in that era. You know, it obviously wouldn't involve probably Kirk and Spock, but to me that would be the the easiest and most logical way to, to make a new show, that it would be set in this alternate uh, universe uh, world uh, in, in the early days of the Federation and everything like that in Starfleet. But anyway, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, I think I, I need to get 
pretty much wrapping up on this because we need to get into this Enterprise episode. But uh, I think that's about it. There, the TV uh, stuff on TV and movies has not been a lot uh, really new. Uh, a lot of shows kind of ended their run. Uh, I am I've been reading a lot of comics over over the break over the holidays and that uh, I've been I'm, I'm slowly working my way through the Walking Dead comics I'm finally uh, reading those because I love the show I'm about I'm about halfway through the the comics I'm in about the early 50s I think they're on the the early 100s now uh, I think that 105 or 106 just came out in the stores so I'm slowly working my way through those really really cool to read uh, how those are compared to the TV show so uh I think that's it. Uh, I've got a collectible to talk about after we talk about this Enterprise episode. Uh, it's a statue, and uh, I, I'm really excited. I, I really like uh, what this uh, statue is. Oh, and uh, I, I promised a little more music. I think I'll save that towards the end, till the end of this podcast, from my uh, TOS 15 CD box set, which is really fantastic. I haven't had a chance. I, I've, I've played a few of the CDs, but there's so much material. I, I highly, highly recommend if you're a fan of TOS and the music. I know these sets are expensive. They're a little over $200, $220 or something like that. La La Land Records is the place. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of a once-in-a-lifetime, one-time thing. I don't know if they'll ever put them out in smaller versions in smaller uh, sets or digital versions. They don't seem to do that. These guys seem to press, you know, CDs, and that's that. So, uh, you know it's again it wasn't wasn't cheap i got it uh, as part of uh, my christmas uh, gifts and uh, i was very thrilled so it's um it's just fantastic though there's so much cool music so many details too in the liner notes and the and the and the little information that you get who plays one in- instrument and what you know piece of music it's just crazy how much research and time and effort went into this set and and you know i think that's you know partly why it costs what it does these guys this isn't just something they were able to like slap together (laughs) it took a long time and a lot of work to do this and it shows so i I can't say enough good things about it the music just sounds so great Uh, and they've got special effects music they got alternate versions of music from from different themes and stuff it's just it's just crazy how much is in here i mean you've got uh, you know 15 cds and and they've just you know it's just jam-packed with with great stuff so all right uh what what uh, what's next uh let's do uh let's do an enterprise episode how about that uh yeah let's do uh babble one and then i will do my collectible review after that and we'll wrap up the show but anyway here we go with a season four episode of enterprise uh, it is called Babel One, and yes, that is a throwback to the TOS episode Journey to Babel. Or is it Babel? Babel? It's not Babel, right? It's Babel. Uh, Babel One, let's say it properly. And, uh, you know, here's this brief uh, kind of uh, snippet of a sentence. Uh, a description of this episode enterprise journeys to babel with a tellerite ambassador on board for peace talks with the andorians when a distress call from shran is received and shran is that uh, friend of archers the andorian uh captain uh and he is uh involved in this episode quite a bit it's a it's a good episode and uh well let's play it all right here we go with babel one babel one babel babel Babel. <laughs> All right, we're on the uh, 
looks like a bridge of a ship and it's pretty busted up and people on the ground and somebody in the rubble. It's obviously Andorians and it's really um, obvious it's Shran. Isn't that sort of... This is Shran. All crew to the escape pods. Abandon ship. It's been a long road. Alright, uh, this is Babel 1. Yes, Babel 1. This episode was uh, the 12th episode from Season 4 of Enterprise. First aired on January 28th, 2005, so about eight years ago. Actually, that's my uh, my older son's birthday. So there you go. There's a trivia question. <laughs> it is written by Mike Sussman and Andre Boramamas. Boramamas? Bermanis. Bermanis. I cannot speak today. I am sorry. Bormanis. Uh, yeah, those two guys both have written other uh, track before. Did it, directed by David Strayton. Um, it's set, uh, in the, uh, around the date of November 12th, 2154, and it pretty much it, it tells the story of the early, uh, sort of negotiations and, and, and moves towards peace between, uh, Earth and, and the Andorians and the Tellarites and, and how they're, they're all trying to come together and, and form some kind of an alliance, which eventually becomes, of course, the Federation. And there's there's more to it and things than but, and it's sort of a prequel to the TOS episode, Journey to Babel. Would probably taste better. You can either take me home or find a new chef. It's that simple. Oh, something else? I want new quarters. Is that so? For one thing, my room is too small. There are plasma conduits running across the ceiling. It's noisy. It keeps me up all night. Maybe you sleep better in the cargo bay. What did you say to me? This is a starship, not a luxury liner. If you're not satisfied with the accommodations, we can leave you behind in a shuttle pod. Maybe you'll have better luck with whoever picks you up. And if you don't like chef's food, don't eat it. From the looks of things, you should probably skip the dessert table while you're at it. That was a nice touch. <laughs> I can't believe I'm supposed to speak to their ambassador like that. Uh, Tellarites always have a litany of complaints. It's how they start arguments with people they've just met. Even if they have nothing to complain about? In that case, they'll just insult you. Whatever they say, you have to respond in kind. Otherwise, they'll take offense. A species that actually thrives on arguing. They probably make good politicians. Thanks for the dry <laughs> run. Uh, sir? It's a fun scene I with... I wasn't kidding about Porthos. You think he's mangy? No, but you might want to keep him out of sight. Tellarites consider canine something of a uh, delicacy. Porthos, no! 
Captain Starlog, November 12, 2154. We've arrived in orbit of Teller Prime. Starfleet's ordered us to transport their ambassador to a neutral planet designated as Babel, where Earth's mediators will try to settle a long-standing trade dispute between the Tellarites and the Andorians. Everything ready for our guests? Oh, just about. But my people are working triple shifts trying to finish that mud bath they wanted. Mud bath? Apparently, the ambassador likes a good soak in the morning. Something I don't understand. These Tellarites have warp ships. So why do we have to take them to the conference? Babel's on the far side of Andorian space. They won't allow Tellarite ships to pass through their territory. Now we're a shuttle service. When are we going to get back to exploring? This trade dispute is a little more urgent. It could turn into a shooting war if the conference fails. There's a uh, scene here that uh, when the Tellarites come aboard where it's similar to in Journey to Babel where Spock's father comes aboard where they kind of line up this honor guard situation. Kind of in this episode with the with Makos along uh, the walls and sides. And the Tellarites now coming aboard the Enterprise. You people are even uglier than I remember. <clears throat> Captain Jonathan Archer, welcome aboard. Ambassador Grahl. <laughs> and he puts out his hand, the Tellarite to shake it, Archer's hand, and kind of squeezes it pretty hard. I'm told this ship is the pride of Starfleet. I find it small and unimpressive. Funny. I was about to say the same thing about you. <laughs> you may show us to our quarters. It's far too cold in here. We're expected to stay on this ship for five days. says, well, I'm not really a pilot. <laughs> uh, you don't care. And they're having kind of a little dinner here with some of the Tellarites that are aboard the Enterprise. Very similar, again, to Journey to Babel, episode that uh, from TOS. Warm enough? The ambassador requested the temperature be increased. Again? Yeah, I like these people more than I thought I would. They don't hold anything back. It's refreshing. Speak in your mind for a change. You don't feel free to speak your mind with the rest of us? <laughs> no, you know what I mean. No. Maybe you'd like to explain it to me. Why don't you change your uniform before you stink up the place? Ah, practicing your Tellarite. No, I get it. When in Rome. I beg your pardon. Forget it. The ambassador wants to speak with you. What a surprise. Yeah, Archer kind of grinned there a little bit when Trip left. He was kind of messing with him a little. Have we crossed into Andorian space? A few minutes ago. 
Last time I was here, I was on the command deck of one of our cruisers, driving those blue demons back into their territory. The Andorians came to your aid during the Zindi crisis. They helped save my planet. So why should we trust humans to mediate this dispute? You owe them your lives. Earth wants a peaceful outcome just as much as you do. That isn't going to happen if we choose sides. Your people have no experience in interstellar affairs. It doesn't seem that you have a lot of other options. <laughs> These uh, episodes, uh, you know, from season four of Enterprise just, just had so much great stuff in it for Your chef obviously went to a great deal of trouble original I'm told these are authentic tellerite dishes original series episode if fans I eat like this i would have stayed at home i was expecting to sample earth cuisine on this journey i'll have him whip something up <sighs> captain archer to the bridge we'll make you a pizza tellerite guy you know I think this head teller right. Let me see what what's the actor's name playing him. We've picked up a message on an Endorian channel. Sorry, calling Imperial Command. Lee Arenberg. They have no ships. I think he played range. a Zindi too in season three. How long to intercept them at maximum warp? Two hours. Alter course. And so now, let them know we're going to be delayed. So now that uh, they're in Andorian space, you know they pick up this distress call from Shran's ship. By the debris pattern, I'd say that reactor breached. I'm detecting significant quantities of duranium alloy. This was most likely an Andorian combat vessel. Escape pods, multiple bio signs. Bring them into the launch bay. They'll flock to standby for casualties. This would be easier if you to take a few steps back. I hope you've studied Andorian physiology. How many of my crew did you rescue? Nineteen. Our complement was eighty-six. Your distress call said you were attacked. Tellerites. You were escorting our ambassador to the trade conference when they dropped out of warp. Ambassador's ship was destroyed in seconds. Tellerites crippled us with their next shot. I've never seen one of their vessels maneuver like this one. All those barbarians have been talking peace. They've obviously been improving their warships. Why would the Tellarites agree to let Earth mediate your dispute if they were planning this strike? Perhaps you should ask them. I suggest you scan for our data recorder. It'll contain the sensor logs of the attack. So Archer nodded to DePaul to go look for that data recorder. It's fortunate Enterprise was close by. It's not a coincidence. We're carrying the Tellarite delegation. Report this ship. These aren't the people who attacked you. They may know who did. Tran! You're on my ship. You better keep them away from us. Or there will be bloodshed. 
Yeah, Jeffrey Combs as Shran, just just really great. I, I, you know, he was so good in Deep Space Nine as the Vorta, and, and just, just so good here damage. too. Damage is consistent with Tellarite particle cannons. What about the black box? The memory core was damaged, but I was able to reconstruct the last few seconds of sensor data. So they're watching a screen here in engineering area and, and, and showing the ship that attacked uh, Shran's vessel. That course friend, Looks pretty obvious to Archer, at least, These and the rest. Are but it's a Tellarite ship. We had nothing to do with this alleged attack. The Andorian sensor logs. Look them over yourself. Logs can be fabricated. You saw the debris field. For all we know, they destroyed the ship themselves. Andorian technology is more advanced than ours. One of our cruisers wouldn't stand a chance against two of theirs. I want you to speak to your people. Find out what you can. I am not comfortable with so many Andorians aboard. Contact your superiors. Have them transferred to another vessel. Let's get something straight. You're just a passenger on my ship. I give the orders. Where are you taking them? Back to Andoria. You can't! They'll arrest us. They'll hold us responsible for this incident. If you're innocent. I'm sure you have nothing to worry about. So, you know, one thing I when I see this episode again, it all seems very convenient, you know, and, and I'm kind of wondering why Archer is, is buying it so easily. You know, they're going to do this peace talk. She was a fine ship with a good crew. And then a ship gets destroyed, and they happen to be in the same area. Our ship of her class. Most of the crew I'd served with even longer. They were more than colleagues. I knew their spouses. Archer and Shran are now kind of getting drunk over some uh, Andorian ale. <laughs> I'm grateful Talus survived. If I lost her. I didn't realize there was something going on between the two of them. It's a recent development. In the past, I never would have considered a relationship with someone under my command. What changed? Andorian women are far more aggressive than Earth females. She made a, an overture. I had a choice. Charge her with assaulting a superior or make her. You made the right decision. <laughs> yeah, of course you would say that, Archer. Yeah, let me see. I regret that you're drawn into another of our conflicts, Captain. They seem to have a knack for it. I doubt that war can be avoided this time. When that sensor data is seen by the Imperial Command. Does it make sense? Why agree to a conference and attack your ambassador? Exactly. Tell her right it doesn't make any sense. Like you or I do. They've been provoking us for months. We've lost six freighters along the border. We know they're responsible. Tellarites claim they've lost ships of their own. You'd accept their word over ours. Follow the Captain Archer. I did trying to get to the truth, Shran. It's Andorian. Well, that's gonna be a little uh, awkward probably, but uh You're expecting company? Hail them. not responding 
I'm reading a power buildup. Shields. They're opening fire. Come on, Archer. Shields. Stabilizing. We're dropping the impulse. Call them off. Let me talk to them. This is Commander Shran of the Imperial Guard. Call off your attack. My crew is aboard this ship. Do you hear me? Abort your attack. Face cannons, return fire. No damage. We need to get through their shields. How? They're gonna kill all of us if you don't do something. Yeah. Um, okay, maybe I, I will. Need to access help your you. targeting array. I always wished if they did another season of Enterprise that Shran These would become part of their crew. Fire when ready. I think that would have been really cool. Make it like a weapons Direct officer. It. Shields are still at maximum. Impossible. Shran! Our dorsal plating's almost gone. Starboard thrusters are down. Torpedoes, maximum yield. They're moving off. There's a fluctuation in their power grid. Good work. That wasn't my doing, sir. I didn't target that power grid. Your government asked us to be a part of this conference, and now you're attacking us? This makes perfect sense, Captain. They sent out a distress call to lure you into a trap. We have no argument with Starfleet. Your people tried to destroy this ship. Captain, are you sure? It doesn't make any what sense. What happened does Come not on. represent the will or intent of my government. Admit the truth. The Imperial Guard never wanted this conference to take place. They've obviously taken matters into their own hands. Are you implying the Imperial Guard's been disloyal? I don't have to imply anything. The facts speak themselves. <laughs> that may not have been an Andorian ship. What? Its shield matrix had a completely different configuration. What is that supposed to prove? Several of our warships have been reported missing over the years. The Tellarites could have taken one of them. Enhanced its system. <laughs> He's suffering from paranoia, Captain. I'm not paranoid. Your people are trying to kill us. I've had enough of your lies. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are about ready to kill each other right here. You fight? I'll throw both of you in the brig. You can tear each other to pieces. Come on, guys. Start putting this together. You're being you're being used. You're being played, probably. You know, first a Tellarite ship, you know, attacks that doesn't seem like a normal Tellarite ship, and now an Andorian ship attack that doesn't seem like a normal Andorian ship. You may have made a mistake in trusting these humans. They've posted soldiers outside our quarters. We're prisoners on this ship. Have you stopped to consider? Archer may be conspiring with the Andorians. The pals found something you're going to want to see. We retrieved this from your ship's data recorder. This is the power signature of the vessel that destroyed the Kamari. This signature belongs to the Andorian ship that attacked Enterprise. 
They're identical. That can't be correct. Sure it can. Send the data yourself. Your sensors are unsophisticated. There's been a mistake. We've confirmed the data. That's what pretty, a pretty uh, big mistake that they're identical. These two vessels are actually the same ship? Sure. I don't know what I'm suggesting. Come on, guys. But we need to keep our minds open. The Tellarites have violated every accord we've made with them. They can't be trusted. Your desire for a peaceful resolution is blinding you from the truth. Commander, perhaps... I've heard enough from you. Vulcans are expert liars. Perhaps your people are behind this. You're speaking to my first officer. Tucker to the bridge. Go ahead. Warp engines will be online in 10 minutes. We'll have whole plating back within an hour. Keep me updated. We've located the warp trail of the ship that attacked us. We're going to follow it. Some of my crew are in serious condition. They need attention from our physicians. It'll take four days to get to Andoria. By then, that ship will be long gone. Yeah, they got to find out what's going on. I mean, you know, this is a uh, peace talks can't really go forward with everyone thinking they're shooting at each other. And, you know, it's like, come on, guys. This isn't right. Do you think we're moving too fast? Commander Tucker believes it's safe to maintain this warp factor. That's not what I meant. <laughs> Earth's got a lot riding on the outcome of these talks. But I'm not sure we knew what we were getting into. These people have been feuding for over a century. Maybe we should have let your government handle this. Although our relations have improved recently, it's clear the Andorians don't trust us. Aside from breathing oxygen, it doesn't seem to me that Andorians and Tellarites have a hell of a lot in common. The same has been said about humans and Vulcans. Hoshi tells me you got a transmission from Vulcan this morning. It's a personal message. It was from Kos. Our marriage has been officially dissolved. Sorry to hear that. You have nothing to apologize for. Bridge to Captain Archer. Archer. I believe we found the Andorian ship, sir. We're on our way. Yeah. Or is it an Andorian ship? You know, it doesn't quite look like that. Report. I've been unable to locate the malfunction. Can I suggest you double your efforts? Now we're this looking inside we this ship. Any without... And these guys are obviously not Andorians or Tellarites. In fact, they look a lot like Romulans. Show me. And the Enterprise has found you. found the Andorians. I don't understand it, sir. The warp trail ends right here. Their primary systems are offline. Hail them. No response. Biosigns are indeterminate. Magnified. Any idea what the spikes are? They appear to be subspace transceivers, 
Why would they need so many? Their hull is also lined with multispectral emitters. For what purpose? I'd prefer not to speculate. Oh, speculate. Find out who these people Come on. The warp trail ends here. The ship has life had two line. different Bring looks to See it. If you can get it, working. it obviously can change its appearance. So the uh, four of them the rest of the beamed over from trapped. Enterprise to check it out. I can't read anything through these bulkheads. They're in the environmental Stay suits. The propulsion matrix still isn't functioning. How much longer? The repairs are underway. Prepare to overload the core. What? If we can't repair the matrix in time. I'll do whatever is necessary to keep it away from Starfleet. The main Romulan guy here uh, is actor uh, Brian Thompson. He appears in quite a few TV shows. He was in X-Files for several episodes. We haven't run into any Big guy and uh, typically will play a bad guy on things I've seen. Interface. But there's no power over here. I'm gonna need to Paul's help to bring it online. I'll blink your scanner. What's happening? I didn't do anything. Sir. Okay, the ship is powered up now and is, is firing on Enterprise. Evasive maneuvers, get our people back. It's also maneuvering uh, pretty amazingly. Reinforce their whole plating. We can only transport one at a time. Take care of Nurin Myers first! One of the Makos is aboard. They've hit our EPS couplings. Switch to auxiliary. Target their weapons only. Right when this Mako beamed back, uh, the transporter uh, had a little overload. Just the Makos. Of course, take the soldiers first. It'll take several hours to repair it. Decompression on C deck, section three. We have to withdraw. Archer to trip. We've lost the transporter. Understood. Sit tight till we come back for you. We'll be fine, sir. Get us out of here, Travis. Maximum warp. See, the Enterprise had to pull out. There's still, um, you know, uh, both Trip, Malcolm aboard this weird Romulan ship. Course. And this Romulan ship inside this control area has, uh, I think they're called the Adir. One of these special Andorians that can interface mentally with a ship. A Malcolm suit kind of formed a leak, but but Trip's fixing it. But he lost a lot of air. Down to eight minutes. 
Thanks. We're not gonna get very far only sharing your supply. I'll try to get their life support online. Right. With our luck, they probably breathe fluorine. Nope, they just breathe air, breathe air pretty much too. They're still closing. What five? They've matched our speed. Let's see what those new injectors can do. 5.02. They're falling behind. The injector stabilized. We're holding speed. Maintain your heading. So now we're down. Going to wear out the deck plating. Where uh, Talus and uh, his Endorian girlfriend Shran is at. These attacks than he's admitting. How can Archer be so blind? We have no choice but to let him deal with the situation. I'm not going to entrust the security of Andorian. The actress here, is, her else? name is Molly Brink. Once. Make that I don't recognize yet. that name from anything else, but. Appropriate persuasion. Grawl will talk. I doubt Archer's capable of a thorough interrogation. Then I'll have to question him myself. There are guards outside our quarters. We don't even know what deck the ambassador's on. Can you bypass their security? Protocols? Oh, she's appeared in a few episodes too as Talus, United, and Proven Ground also. Any luck? can't find anything that even looks like an atmosphere recycler. I'm starting to wonder if this ship even has life support. They must have atmosphere on that bridge. Well, let's hope they don't mind sharing. The Starfleet ship has moved out of sensor range. The humans have seen too much. Can't allow them to escape. I don't think they detected them coming aboard the ship. Type. I told you it wasn't ready for combat. Find them. Captain Starwalk. So the Romulans are trying to stir things up here, pretty prepared, obviously. And we've resumed our search for the alien vessel. the data commander Tucker sent back. The ship doesn't appear to be Telluride or Andorian. Do we have any idea who built it? There's a remote possibility. Its power matrix utilizes viridium cells. We encountered a similar technology more than two years ago. The Romulan minefield. But the power cells on those mines were much larger, more primitive. I did say it was a remote possibility. If this is a Romulan ship, why would they be stirring up trouble so far from home? They have been known to act aggressively against species they see as a threat. They never threaten them. As far as I know, neither have the Andorians or Tellarites. Maybe they're afraid of something else. They're afraid of your alliance is what you're afraid. Come on. The species in this region have a history of not getting along. This conference could have been the first step in changing that. You believe they fear an alliance? The conference has been postponed indefinitely. 
It doesn't sound like there's going to be an alliance anytime soon. Anything from Trip. We're still too far away to detect a comm signal. Well, keep me updated. I'm starting to wonder if this ship even has a bridge. Yeah. So they're making their way uh, through these Your different corridors minutes, and having to sort of, of cut their levels. way through the the bulkhead There's locks. There's no rule that says the bridge has to be at the top of the ship. No, there isn't. And you when you think about it, why would you put the bridge uh, at the top of a ship? On the bridge. Especially a ship with sensors and so and. I understand you know. our first officer's no longer married. Yeah. Well, I was wondering what your intentions were. Well, who are you, her father? <laughs> no. Simply curious. Malcolm. Malcolm. We've got something. I like it when Tripp and uh, Malcolm are together and they just chit-chat about other stuff, you know. Malcolm's like, hey, so what are what your intentions it? with T'Pol now? A maneuvering thruster. Perhaps they'll be kind enough to give us the specs. It's chemically fueled. Liquid hydrogen and oxygen. We could refill our tanks. And, I hope you? and now this Talus is is hoping we could talk. Is kind of trying to uh, doubt you're aware of this. Appeal to the guard. Andorian women are permitted one final conquest before their wedding. I've never had relations with a member of your species. <laughs> I was hoping you'd indulge me. Come on, Mako. Your quarters. You won't even consider it. And now, now this Mako's getting beat up by this Andorian girl. Kind of embarrassing. Especially since he had his sidearm during that whole thing, too, on him. But, you know, they had to break out somehow. So Shran and Talus have now uh, gotten out of their quarters here. What is it? There's a problem with one of the liquid fuel techs. Another malfunction? No. The starboard transfer valve has been opened. Manually. Oh. Activate internal sensors. How are you holding up? Lightheaded. That's nothing new. I should have known better. About what? Getting involved with the fellow officer. There's nothing going on between us anymore if you're interested. That's not why I asked. Well, you said you had an awfully nice bum. This is true. <laughs> Pure oxygen. Be my guest. Thanks. So the Romulans are trying to, uh, scan inside their ship here Hold. to see what's going on. Magnify that image. Humans. 
If they make their way to the bridge. Are the inertial stabilizers offline? They are. Evasive maneuvers. Just to turn the ship. Your boots. And they're in their, you know, their suits still, so they magnetize the boots down, so they hold down to the hull plating, even though they're going through all these funky maneuvers with the ship. Now Shran just stunned a couple of more Makos as they're making their way. Uh, I think they're heading towards the Tellarites, if I remember right. We mustn't be. What is this? Yeah. Yep, they are. I want to know why my ship was attacked. And then you're going to answer for your crimes against my people. Yeah, Shran still is not buying that there's we another ship the doing all this. They're holographic projectors. It's a camouflage system that can use it to mimic the appearance of almost any ship. Malcolm analyzed the Andorian debris. He said that ship was destroyed by Tellarite weapons. Their disruptor utilizes triphasic emitters. They can simulate different kinds of weapons. The one thing they couldn't mask is their power signature. That's why they... Security to Captain Archer. Go ahead. There's weapons fire on G-Deck, outside the Tellarite's quarters. On my way. Get the Makos down there. Seal off G-Deck. We know your government's behind the disappearance of our freighters. We had nothing to do with that! You may have been able to convince Archer, but I'm not so gullible. I don't know a lot about Starfleet weapons, but I believe this setting will bore right through that thick hide of yours. The truth! Now! So now they're having a little firefight outside the Tellarite ambassador's quarters. Taking out the other couple of uh, Andorians standing guard. I always like some of the weapons they used on Enterprise. They looked, you know, real practical in a way. Archer just busted into the quarters. Stay no. out of this pigskin. Tran, listen to me. The ship that attacked you wasn't Tellarite. I was there. I can prove it was someone else. Archer lowers his weapons and so do the Makos. You're both being set up. Your ship was attacked because someone didn't want this conference to go forward. Who? I'm asking you, one captain to another, look at the evidence before you do something you're going to regret. And Trance lowers his weapons. And the Tellarite grabbed the gun from Talus and shot her. 
Get blocked down here. How bad? It's only superficial. You'll be fine. And Malcolm, Malcolm and Trip are still making their way up to the bridge. As this ship is still going through all these funky maneuvers here. Came into a room that looked like the bridge, the bridge, but it's not where they're at, where the Romulans are at. There's nobody aboard the ship, basically, is what it is. They're panning back from where the uh, Romulans are on, and they're actually on Romulus. And that's where this episode ends. It is a to-be-continued tag on the end of it. And hopefully in the next couple of months, I'll cover the next part after this one. But anyway, that's Babel 1. I almost said Babel again. <laughs> I think it's a fun episode, and I like the idea that, you know, you get to see the Tellerites and the Romulans and the Andorians and, you know, kind of everyone involved, you know, trying to uh, both you know, have some peace in the, in this area of space. And then also, you know, trying to disrupt it like the Romulans are doing, but it's a good episode. And, uh, one of the sad things about this episode that I remember a little bit is, is not too long after this episode aired in, in, uh, around the middle of season four of enterprise, they announced that the series had been canceled. And, uh, so that was kind of sad. And they, it, it did though, give them a chance to sort of try to wrap up the show even though I never really liked the last episode of Enterprise uh, at the end of season four. Some things happened in that one, and there are some good moments in it, but it's not... Uh, I, again, Enterprise definitely cut short, should have gone on for more more time. Um, I'm going to take a very, very short break, and then come back, do this a quick collectible review, and wrap up today's podcast. This is Dominic Keating, Malcolm Reed, Lieutenant to you, at the Motor City Comic Con. Just wanted to say, uh, keep on listening to Tricks in Sci-Fi. Okay, about a week or so ago, maybe uh, not too long after Christmas, actually, I, I got a, uh, a, a piece, a statue from Sideshow Toys that I had ordered uh, a while back, and uh, it finally came, and it is, what it is, is a, a, a statue of Faith from the TV series Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Faith, who was sort of a bad girl but eventually became kind of good on the show uh and and then turned up also on this series angel a few times anyway this is uh it's an awesome statue and sideshow toys has been putting out for a few years now uh statues uh from different um of different characters from buffy i've got uh, a couple of them uh, buffy uh, uh sitting on this kind of 
Slayer's throne with the, the Slayer uh, scythe with her in this sort of dark red dress. Not a scene really or anything that ever happened in the TV show. Sort of a kind of a different take, but uh, they do a, an excellent job with these statues. And this Faith one is really good too. She's uh, she's wearing this sort of gray pair of pants and kind of this this tight like uh, uh, midriff kind of cut off uh, tank top ish kind of black top and uh, there's a couple cool things about the statue it's probably about 15 16 inches high it, it um, there were two different versions of it that they put out they put out sort of an exclusive edition I just ended up with the regular edition when I tried to get mine uh, the exclusive was uh, was sold out uh, but the the difference is is that there's a hand an arm and hand uh, for her right arm that comes with a couple of different weapons. The exclusive edition gave you a different weapon that she could hold there, a knife. Uh, in the regular edition, she just holds in her hand a crossbow, and in her other hand, she's holding a, a stake, uh, a wooden stake. And uh, and it's just the, the great thing about these statues that, that Sideshow has been doing from Buffy is the the, the facial uh, you know image and likeness of the characters is really well done. And, and the paint job is, is excellent, uh, and, and, and just the pose and everything. The, this face statue, she's standing sort of supposedly like in a graveyard. There's like a little hand or arm of a, a vampire or some kind of zombie or something laying on the ground, and a, and a headstone behind her that's kind of tipped a little bit like a... Maybe like a vampire had just come out of the ground or something, and she slayed the vampire. But uh, again, this is a, a great piece. I love these sideshow statues. They're they're not really that expensive. They're usually around 200 220 to 250 in that range. Not bad, really, to me for the size and scale that you get, and the detail and and the paint app and everything is is uh, really well done. I don't buy them very often, but uh, this one's cool. And and now I want to get one additional one. There's a there's one of Willow uh, that they put out that sort of a, a fits this set in the, in the same scale as but the Buffy one that I have and and the Angel. Sorry, not Angel. Um, Faith, uh, who was on Angel and on Buffy. Anyway, part of the reason I'm saying that is there's a comic I've been reading called um, Angel and Faith uh, that's sort of a, a team-up uh, going on right now of, uh, I think they're about issue 15 or 16, this ongoing series of Faith and Angel working together as a team. Uh, and uh, so I, I kind of put those two characters together in my head lately. But this statue is, is excellent, and, and uh, I can't uh, recommend it enough if you're a Buffy fan, a uh, fan of the series, uh, especially if you're a fan of, of, of Faith, the character. I, I think you'd really enjoy this. And uh, the detail, like I said, is, is fantastic, and uh, it stands really well on the base, too. It's a solid piece, and uh, it came uh, well-packed, as Sideshow always does. They just do an excellent job of... Uh, most of the stuff they put out, I, I've uh, only had really one disappointment, which was that Han and Carbonite uh, uh, premium format thing that I bought uh, maybe well, five, six months ago, something like that now. At least I, it kind of I was a little mixed on the sculpt and, and the light effects were, were were not working quite right for me, and I ended up sending that one back. Actually, that's that's really what I ended up doing. I sent that back. And I used what I was going to spend on that uh, on this faith statue. So, uh, so that's a, a quick collectible review. I'll try to slam a few pictures up in the podcast notes for this week. And uh, let me just give you a quick rundown what's coming up for the rest of this month on Treks in Sci-Fi. 
All right. The uh, oh, I forgot to say too. I should have said this earlier, way at the beginning of the podcast this week. But I want to thank Rick Moyer uh, for doing that very cool retrospective uh, of 2012 uh, of all the TSF uh, Treks and Sci-Fi podcasts that he put out last week. That was great, Rick. I, I really enjoyed listening to that. The next week's on the show, we're going to have a, a guest spot. This time, Vartok is going to be looking at the music of Jerry Goldsmith. Of course, Jerry's done a lot of Trek stuff, especially uh, uh, Star Trek Voyager and, and other things. But he'll be here with a musical uh, tribute to Jerry Goldsmith next week on the podcast. On the 20th, you're going to get... Uh, I'll actually be back then, because that'll be my regular show that I usually do, but you're going to get a look at Deep Space Nine, kind of an overview of it. Chris and I are going to team up. Uh, Chris, who's done uh, several guest spots on Treks and Sci-Fi, we're going to look at Deep Space Nine because it's its 20th anniversary, 20 uh, years ago this month, uh, uh, way back uh, then is when Deep Space Nine first started, and we're going to do sort of a, a retrospective and a look at the show overall, and that should be a lot of fun uh, with Chris. It's always fun to have a, have a guest with me doing a show. I always enjoy those. So, And then on the, the last day of the, or the last Sunday of the month, the 27th, I'm going to finally devote a whole podcast to a, a series that I've talked about several times on the, the, the show on Treks and Sci-Fi over the years. Never really devoted a whole podcast, though, or the, you know, as the main subject of a podcast. I'm going to look at the uh, the classic one-season sci-fi show from the 70s called Man from Atlantis. I, I just really love the show. Uh, it finally came out on DVD, and we're going to look at that uh, for that podcast. So that's what's coming up on Treks and Sci-Fi. Everyone, again, Happy New Year. I hope uh, the year has been good to you so far, and I, I think it's going to be a good one. Going to have a lot of geeky things to talk about and look forward to, besides even the Star Trek movie. We've got another Iron Man movie, uh, and uh, gosh, G.I. Joe is coming out, finally, that movie. Uh, we've got uh, Thor coming out later in the year. Uh, just just a, a ton of stuff to see. We've got Wolverine coming out. Uh, in July, so uh, the next Wolverine movie, so just tons of geeky things, and of course, Star Trek Into Darkness in May, on May 17th. i got to put in for that day off on work already. Alright, everyone, i got to go do some laundry and uh, get this podcast edited and, and put up on the feed, so take care. I'll talk to you in about two weeks next week of our talk with Jerry Goldsmith, So, uh, and I'm going to play a little more uh, Trek TOS music here at the end, so uh, take care. Bye-bye.
space be wary We know not what you'll do Now from a planet out in space There comes a land not commonplace Charlie's our new darling, our darling, our darling. Charlie's our new darling. We know not what you'll do. This has been a Wego Dusty podcast production.